1: Of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers!
2: Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur, Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food fuck every week with very special guests from across the globe.
1: Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads Podcast brought to you by Blacklight Media. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Chris Santos. And we are very excited today to have our most furthest afield band, a band who have inspired us and who we find fascinating and exciting and exhilarating, a band who are without a doubt a favorite around the metal blade office yep which i always thought was fun a band who deeply understand modern death metal in a way i feel like very few other bands do we are talking of course about nicholas cage fighter and today we have guitarist principal songwriter tattooed freak uh justin (laughs) on the show how are you justin
2: good man how are you what's happening man not So good to have you on, man. I will tell you, you, um, I personally was so excited when you guys made the decision to get on board with Blacklight Media and Metal Blade because, um, I just want to see you guys blow up. I think you guys are fucking amazing, and uh, I just can't wait for the for the world to hear the new music that you guys are working on. And, um, you also have maybe the best name in all of heavy metal
0: i've seen a few ones similar but now sort of uh, other other ones like that but yeah it is good well, I,
2: I mean that's a, that's a great place to start how did you come up with that name
0: honestly there's no really good story to it and i remember when um the band was first at the start so tom our bass player and our original vocalist was sort of putting this band together and um they were looking for a guitarist and at that time i was playing this sort of uh pop punk female fronted band and um it was a bit of fun. It was a good learning experience, but I sort of wanted to do something a little bit heavier on the side as well. I played in heavy bands before that, but um, yeah, I remember getting a, a phone call from this random number one day, and it was Tom, our bass player, and he said, hey, uh, I heard you're a guitarist, and that. we, we want to start this this new heavy band. Would you be keen to play for us? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And I don't know why, but on the phone, I just said, as long as we can call it Nicholas Cage Fighter, but we all just started pissing ourselves on the phone thought that was super funny, and it it sort of just stuck from there, but I'm not too sure where the actual idea comes from, eh? <laughs> That's great. So it was just you fucking around being a dick? Yeah, just just uh, just me being a dick on the phone, and then it ended up sticking.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> no, it's, a gra- it's a great name. It's a great name. Yeah, it is. Hey. So,
1: so the origin of the band is actually pretty interesting, because you basically, you had sort of an initial run, then you went away for like a decade, basically.
0: Yeah, so we, we've, the band's coming up to 10 years next year since it's been a band, but there is probably like four or five years in there that we didn't sort of do much. So before the band started, we've all sort of known each other throughout the music scene for a long time. So in high school, I was playing in some sort of deathcore bands. That was around that time when deathcore was blowing up. Davo was playing in sort of death metal bands and that sort of stuff. And Tom, Tom comes from a sort of punk background. He played played a lot of bass and, uh, used to skate and stuff like that. So but I went to high school with Tom, he was a year above me. So I used to ride BMX, he used to ride, uh, skateboards. We sort of, uh, didn't really like each other that much through high school down at the skate park, but that's sort of how I knew him. So, um, yeah, me and, uh, I used to jam with Davo's little brother. So Davo being Matt, our drummer, I used to jam with his little brother. I used to play bass and, um, I remember we used to go to his house all the time and just have a shred, and Matt's kit was always set up there. So we'd just muck around on it. And then Matt would get home from like school or whatever and jump on the kit and just absolutely destroy it. And I was just like, who the fuck is this dude? Like, this <laughs> guy like so hectic. So, um, yeah. So when the band was, when the band sort of started to form, so Tom and um, our original vocalist said they're going to put this new heavy band together in Ballarat. We we're sort of working out like, who are we going to get pajamas and stuff like that. And that's where I sort of remembered Dad. I was like, "We need to ask this dude." But at that point, I was like, "There's no way. Like, this dude's way too good to want to play with us." But um, we tried out a couple of dudes, and it was just like, yeah, the ideas are there, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't sort of good enough. And then um, I remember messaging Matt, and I just said, you know, would you be keen to come and have a jam? I at that time, he was in another band as well, and he said, "Yeah, that's fine, man." So he came around and just. Just absolutely crushed it. Just every song, like all the ideas, just sort of fell into place. So that sort of that sort of kicked stuff off with the band. And um, probably the first two years we just played shows every weekend. At that point, too, it was like deathcore and medical and stuff was just absolutely blowing up. So Ballarat was just like littered with with bands. You know, what I mean, you could put a show on every weekend. And we we're all sort of really tight friends within that group. I know, uh, like everyone sort of went their own ways these days, but um the hardcore metal scene was sort of thriving. So for the first couple of years, we just played shows and shows every week, a lot of local stuff. and um, Then, we, yeah, we put out our EP 3350. At that point, too, it was sort of hard to get your music out as well. We were sort of just running it on YouTube and stuff like that. So um, we did what we sort of could off it. But, um, yeah, so we uh toured a fair bit off that. And then um, at that point, we sort of – I think I, I feel like we sort of thought we were maybe – Getting too big for Ballarat. We were young kids at the time too, so we we're sort of like, "Fuck it, let's let's uh just take the band and uh move it somewhere else." And you know, maybe it's going to be better if we if we move this way. So we moved up the east coast with basically the whole band, and it went from playing shows every weekend to playing two shows in two years. We we sort of didn't look into the scene enough. There was barely any scene out there, but uh, the band sort of drifted apart a little bit while we were up there. People started, you know, getting girlfriends and one of the our original vocalists got married and had started having a family and I locked in a really cool job up there. So I sort of stayed around. and just, just kind of kept working up there. Some of the other guys came home and after a couple of years of, uh, just sort of, I guess, finding ourselves up there, we all, we all come back to Ballarat like our old vocalist. And, um, yeah, we got a message one day and someone said, you know, we'd love to see NCF sort of do a reunion show or something like that. Like it'd be, it'd be huge. So, um, I messaged the rest of the boys, not knowing if anyone's sort of going to be keen and everyone was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So we put together this uh this reunion show, it ended up being sold out, so it was huge and that sort of just reignited our uh, our flame to do it all. And um we had to get Nick our new vocalist in. I, I sort of knew him from around the scene. He's a little bit younger than us, so. He used to message me all the time. He'd send me videos of him doing like vocal covers and he'd be like, what do you think, bro? Is this sick and all that sort of thing? I was like, fuck you, man. This is awesome. I remember saying to him, so I was like, I'm going to use you for something. Like when the time comes, we'll get you involved. And then, um, yeah, when we knew NCF was sort of getting back together, we uh, we asked him to do that show and he was, yeah, keen So that, uh, that also sort of fell into place. And then, um, yeah, we did the show and everyone was just like, we've just got to keep doing this. So I had a heap of music written and yeah, that was just uh, that's what started it all off again. What year was that? Uh so we did the reunion show, if my if my timeline's correct, I reckon it's 2019 or two, okay. yeah, maybe two thousand eight two thousand nineteen. And then um we put the two track out called Hal and Me. That was just sort of just to get our feedback into, so you know what I mean? Just uh, put some music out and see what people um, see what people think. And after that we're just like, yeah, let's do it. So that was when we did the follow up with Caster out and yeah. That's sort of started it all again. So It was
2: such a significant break, and
0: there's a new singer, it's almost as if you're starting fresh. Exactly right. Yep, but uh, um, we all we've all known each other for so long, it's not like it's a bunch of new dudes in the band either, you know what I mean? Like, I've known Davo and Tom since we we're you know young kids in high school, like, where you know, fr- friendships are 15 plus years in this band, it's not like we're uh, you know, a bunch of new dudes sort of getting to know each other. We all know our ins and outs, and yeah, it's just a uh, That's a just a uh, yeah, good good group of friends that just love what we're doing. What's the situation over there now in terms of
2: uh, being able to go out and play shows and whatnot?
0: We're good at the moment. I mean, we just we just wrapped up some East Coast shows. We are unfortunately all came home with COVID, which is I mean bound to happen at some point or another. But in terms of being able to move around, yeah, we're fine now. There's no uh, there's no sort of nothing locked in to say you can't you can't cross borders or anything like that. I think it's just a matter of. Taking that gamble. If we do go out on the road, there is that chance that we we might come home with COVID or something like that. But yeah, that's that's basically. It now. I'm actually
2: I'm actually going tonight here. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm going to see two bands from Australia tonight. I'm going to see um, Alpha Wolf, Polaris, and Alpha Wolf tonight. Yeah,
0: both are great bands. There are they're like the the next generation of Australian bands that are just yeah taking it to the next level.
2: Yeah, and also Cursed Earth is from Australia too, right?
0: They are different, person. I think one of the dudes from Curse Earth is for Chris, yeah, Justice for the Dam, which is another really great Australian band. But yeah, they're no, all awesome bands. Yeah, really great, really great. Scene. It's interesting because that scene is
1: completely popping off. Why do you think that is?
0: Is that do you mean like the Australian or just like the metalcore and stuff sort of stuff? The Australian
1: scene, because like literally, like I'm not even joking. I'm gonna make fun of Chris for a second. Like every other band Chris sends me is Australian. <laughs> it's true, but. No, but, like, right, Chris? Like, it's, like, bizarre how many Australian bands Chris sends me. Where And Chris will literally just be like, oh, this is cool, Matt, listen to this. And, like, 50% of the time it's Australian. And I'm like...
0: It's an Aussie band. It's insane. Yeah, I don't know. We've just got a lot of good bands here at the moment. It seems to be just start thriving. In terms of music, though, if you put something on, does Aussie stuff sound different to American? Like, do you know what I mean? In terms of, like, the music.
1: Here's my theory. Having you know, worked with, you know, doing marketing for an Australian agency and having been down there to talk. And I want your opinion on this. What I found is people are really stoked on stuff because they're not going, they know they're not necessarily going to get an opportunity to see that for another four years. Whereas like, for me, like if I want to go see Band We All Love, Black Dahlia Murder, right? you get to see Black Dahlia Murder at best, if we're being honest, every, what, three years?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly
1: right. You know, I get to see them at least once a year. And if I want to see them twice in a year, it is either A, relatively likely they'll come back to New York City twice in a year, or B, not hard for me to go see them somewhere on their smaller tour. You know, if I really want to go see Black Dahlia Murder. But like for you, it's two things. So so you're isolated. So you're a lot more passionate about the Euro and North American bands who come. And then I think that also lets you like really dial in a great local scene where people actually care about the bands because they're not in America, it's hard to have a local scene now because it's there's a million touring bands. You know what I mean? So it's like, why would I, you know, like local shows don't really have clout really because there's just, you know, in New York City on any given night, there'll be five good tours. You know, I'm in Berlin, same de- right now, same deal. And so it just seems kind of, you know, and it seems like you guys can actually have local scenes that take care of each other, that grow together, and people, it seems a lot more gelled. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think so, being like, you know, America, like just said, you can do. You can do a tour and do 30 shows or something like that yeah when you, when you when you're in an Australia and you say you're doing a tour it might be five shows you know what I mean like and they're all they're all spaced out you know due to how far you sort of go travel between these yeah like and it's and not year, five fun shows it's like five eight hour drive nah, yeah yeah exactly right like our last show we did a drove 24 hours straight to play one show jumped back in the van drove 10 hours back down the road to play another show. And then ten hours home. That was two shows. Like you know, it's a it's a long way to go to play. But yeah, I definitely agree that the 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 community is a lot more sort of tighter in that because it's yeah, there's there's not shows every sort of night of the week. It's um, you know, you might get to see your favorite band twice a year, but it, it, I guess it's sort of hard in one sense too if yeah if you if you are you know isolated in Australia you're trying to tour all the time. How many times can you play those five shows before? people are going to stop coming to your shows. Do you know what I mean? Like, You sort of gonna make sure they're spaced out enough, but got too spaced out that it's too long between them. But yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's fucking weird, dude. Yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, okay,
1: so I'm glad that you subscribe to my theory of Australian bands. I wanted to have you and Chris talk for a second uh, about a subject both of you are passionate about, which is tattoos. Okay. Oh.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> you're a tattoo artist, right? So I do a lot of piercings. So our shop, our shop is like, I guess, tattoo and piercing. I'm mainly just, uh just doing piercings. But uh, I don't know enough about it. Yeah. Okay.
2: So you don't, know, Matt, you don't have any?
0: I don't have any. No, I'm, I'm also old enough
1: now that I can't get any.
0: <laughs> you're sort of going past that point.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. Like I can't be 26 yeah. and get my first tattoo. Oh, shut up you can i mean i can but like (laughs) you know like but i'm kind of like at the point but like and then also like my new thing is like justin you don't really know this but i work with kill switch engages management who are friends of ours uh and their main two guys are also like i dress like someone's dad and they also and like have no tattoos and they also dress like someone's dad and have no tattoos and i'm like this is our thing (laughs) we're like we're like the like business boys yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i don't know
2: i'm 51 uh, in about a week or so uh i turned 51 and i'm doing a whole hip to ankle sleeve so
0: how you feeling about that <laughs> i feel like it's gonna suck i, I definitely find the, the older i get harder, yeah. the shitter i get at sitting at fifth yeah when i was younger i was fine but like these days we start starting. I'm 15 minutes in, and I'm sort of looking at the clock already. Right. Checking minutes, <laughs> you know <laughs> how <long this> is. <laughs> I'm trying to do a full
2: back piece and a full and a full right leg sleeve, and I know that it's going to be brutal.
0: Yeah, I still I still haven't touched my back. I've just uh, I'm, I'm too. I know, like people. Uh, every time I say it, someone's like, "Well, you got your fucking head tattooed. Like it can't be that bad." Buddy. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say, yeah. Come on, buddy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly right. But I don't know. I feel like that. Yeah, that wouldn't be too good. But yeah, I don't know. I just uh, my tattoo sessions now are sort of uh feel far in between. I just uh I can't be bothered with anyone's to it's too much. <laughs>
2: yeah, no. Uh, hangover, hangovers, and tattoos are worse at that, that older you get.
0: Oh, absolutely, Yep. yeah. But
2: Matt, I absolutely think that you still have at least you know the
0: rest of your life to reconsider. Yeah, maybe a little like NCF tattoo or something yeah there you Make go this should be back
1: <laughs> okay chris i'll get a black light sleeve if you get a black light sleeve
2: <laughs> no that's not happening <laughs> i've tattooed um women's names on my body and that was the kiss of death so we're not going to do that to Blacklight media <laughs> or to ncf we're not going to do it yeah, that's doing, yeah. <laughs> without getting too specific because we want there to be you know we want to make the proper announcements time but i know that you guys are in the studio and you're writing a new record like what's the process how's it going like are the songs coming quick or
0: yeah all done hey. so the, the process was uh yeah it was it was hard due, just because of covid so we sort of um it was a lot of in and out time in the studio we'd go in for a day and we might have got a day to do something and then lockdown was kicking and we couldn't go back to the studio for a, a month or six weeks however it worked but um yeah, records completely finished, the new one, but um, it sort of went from being like, all right, let's get this record done in a month in the studio to like six months. Mm. The the time in the studio was awesome. We uh, we love working with Kai. He's, uh, he knows exactly sort of what we're trying to do. He's uh, done our last two two records, even helping Me, the two new track and then cast you out the EP. So, yeah, this time we spent a lot more time doing pre-pro. A lot of our stuff before was me and by we just riding the songs, you know, where we jam and then me taking them to the studio and just laying them down. But this time I probably spent probably two months for to while to go into the studio just in every week and just tweaking stuff, maybe cutting stuff out that doesn't need to be there or, you know, something repeated like do we have, do we need to put that there and just really trying to uh, make the best songs that we, we could but still keep it like that NCFI. But, um, yeah, we're super, super, super proud of the new album. We, uh, yeah, we can't wait for it to come out. Yeah,
2: we can't either, actually. Um, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna go over really, really great here. Um, and then we gotta obviously figure out a way to get you guys here and tour.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. We can't wait to get overseas. I think that's just uh, all about, all about dream, especially mine is. You know, from a young kid, it was always fucking. I want to be a fucking rock star when I'm all that uh Yeah, I'd love to get over there and play some shows and that sort of thing. So now yeah, that I guess restrictions and international travel and it's all back on the cards, and the, uh, yeah, hopefully this album um, kicks off and people uh, people get into it and it gives us that chance to get over there. I'm
2: always curious with bands, Matt, we've never really talked about this before, but you know, with the vocal style um, that you guys have, having not actually gone on a long tour, is there any work... That needs to be done to to ensure that he's good for six weeks of singing, you know, in that this kind of fashion.
0: Definitely, I think so too. It's something uh, it's something we've all talked about as a band, because obviously I don't know how any sort of vocals can do it that night after night. Like I'd be absolutely wrecked. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think for Nick too, like this is his, I guess, his first sort of serious band as well. So. Yeah, he's uh he's working a lot on sort of stamina, but with each show we play too, he just gets better and better. Like he's um, uh, you know how he is on stage and his uh, performance and stuff like that just gets better and better. But I guess in terms of um, doing like you know a big run of shows, that'll sort of that'll sort of come down to how he goes on the night. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, no dramas.
2: <laughs> Matt did give me a, a brief vocal lesson once.
0: Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that was a good day.
2: That was a good day.
0: Let's <laughs> <How'd
1: you> go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, just suffice it to say that I I could never sing in a death
1: deathcore. Chris could sing. He can do it. He, he, he's getting there. He can. Oh yeah. We need to find it. I to
0: find it. Yeah, the boys asked one time though, like you should do do some backup vocals on stage. I was like, there's no way. I'm like cheap, Mark, or something. Like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, we need we need you for album three when you break out the eyeliner and yeah. like, vocals. Yeah. <laughs> right. So no I'll do <laughs> that. The other boys. <laughs> That's what I'm always threatening Capra with.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. And then, in the meantime, while you're waiting for the record to be finalized and for it to come out, do you guys still continue to write, or do you take a pause and just?
0: Yeah. Nah. So it hasn't sort of stopped. Uh, quietly, I've probably got about six songs down for the the next album. Really? Yeah. Just sort of just want to keep at it. You know, kind of sort of, uh, I guess, not have any breaks while um you know feeling creative and that just sort of keep the writing going. So. Same thing again. I'll probably towards the next half of this year, we'll go back to the studio. I'm just going to start getting all these ideas down and sort of, just you know, start fleshing them out, seeing what we can come up with. Yeah, a handful of songs I really like that I- I'm keen to use for, yeah, the next album. Nice, very nice.
1: You and I have talked before about how Nicolas Cage Fighter is very much kind of a distillation of, like you were talking about earlier, sort of the. 2006 to 2011 deathcore thing, yeah, and like executing that in a way that's a little bit more mature and thoughtful than a lot of those bands were. You know, there isn't as many. There's much more of an influence on uh, of death metal than there is of new metal.
0: Definitely, yep.
1: right? You know, whereas I think with like some of the Suicide Silence stuff or whatever, you could definitely hear like bounce riffs. Yep. how do you blend those things like what's the mix of influences precisely do you feel like you're the next generation of the sort of first mainstream wave of deathcore where do you feel you fit in this sort of pantheon
0: it's different my it, and sort of without being a sort of range of favorite. my influences are honestly a lot of uh purely through my dad as well like sort of uh, like our body stuff it's just music going up but a lot of sort of 90s metal death metal bands like uh you probably don't hear a lot of it through our music, but a lot of my influences are stuff like Sepultura and uh, Slayer and stuff like that. So on top of that, too, I, I grew up listening to a lot of hardcore, been on the hardcore shows for a long time, for a long time. So uh, I I feel like I'm sort of blending the two, sort of just like just metal, death metal, and uh, just like yeah, just tough hardcore. Davo comes from like just a super death metal background, so. I think his style of drumming is just, uh, is what sort of takes it from being just a sort of, you know, a metal hardcore band to like, you know, as you said, sort of, uh, hardcore that they're very inspired by death metal. And then Nick, Nick, Nick can just do sort of anything with his vocals. We, uh, there was no sort of like, this is what you, we want you to do in the band. It was like, what can you do? And just do all of it. So, mean, uh, it, it's, we, our songs are full of blast beats that we're not of so, you know, full blown death metal band, but we let Nick do every sort of style of vocal he wants to. So I think it's just a, a good, a good blend of all of it together. We're not sort of, uh, we're not trying to sound like anyone at the moment. We are, um we're sticking to, I guess, to our roots and what we sort of all grew up listening to. And uh, I think, uh, I think a big part of it too is, I guess, music, you know, history and just knowing a lot of, uh you know, you know, bands I grew up listening to are like, you know, I've just got into so much that's uh it really sort of feeds into the music that I'm playing now, so yeah, a lot of uh, '90s death metal, yeah, a lot of hardcore, and then we're just sort of throwing it all together, set so and come up with. You,
2: you said you were in a before this, you were in a pop punk band, female fronted, which is as far away a departure as it could be from, from the.
0: Yeah, so previous to that, so I played in a fair few bands. So previous to that, I was in a deathcore band, was sort of like I said before, that was the time when deathcore was fucking. Popping off and, um, uh, yeah, we were just the young, young kids playing breakdowns, doing big squirrels over the top of them. But it mm-hmm. was fun. That was, uh, that was sort of our, that was sort of my starting point at playing live shows. And that from there, there was a already pretty established pop punk girlfriend event. They were called Girl vs. Ghost and they were, uh, pretty well known sort of in, uh, yeah, like our hometown, but sort of around Australia as well. And I just finished up with our, the old band and, um, I got a message saying, I heard you play guitar, that sort of thing. Did you want to, Get involved. I was a bit hesitant just because I wasn't sort of into that style of music. But um I said I'd give it a go. as I'm just with the chap in the breakdown here, you know, and they just sort of mucking around. And yeah, we did uh, a couple of practices we down yeah, tuned the guitars, and they were screaming and breakdown. So <laughs> we did that for a little bit. But um yeah, they kicked me out probably not long, not long out sort of after. I don't think I sort of fitted the piece very well. But it was really, good sort of learning experience. They were all they sort of taught me a lot about how to write songs properly and. I sort of I, I learn a lot from that pop punk sort of, I guess start structure of songs and sort of a lot of it does to this day still has to do with how I write songs and how they sort of mapped out. So yeah, learn along, learn a lot of through it. But um, yeah, just wasn't sort of for me. But that was yeah, I guess uh, once I did leave, that was the start of it. Yeah, so, so it also worked out in the end anyway. I mean, my hot take
1: is some forty one is secretly the most influential band on metal today. Oh my god, shut. up
0: yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) no but like i'm just saying like objectively speaking a huge chunk of people who like guitar music who are between the ages it's like some 41 of my chemical romance are like the the origin of all guitar music today because 80 percent of people who like guitar music between the ages of like 24 and 38 the first bands they were into were one of those
0: two yeah yeah so uh Musically, for me, I, I come from uh, I guess a, a fairly uh, sort of a musical uh, background. My uncle plays violin, in Nick Hayes of the Bad scene. So. Wait, what? Wait, you can't you can't just walk past this. Break this down. That. So my uncle, my, my uncle's Warren Ellis, to do the, the big beard and plays the violin. That's I've seen him. That's insane. That's your uncle? Oh my god. Yes, yeah, so that's my uncle. So my dad grew up listening to guitar, uh, playing guitar and stuff as well, but. Wow, I, I sort of really come from a musical background, but uh, just got heavy into like heavy music from a young age. I remember in primary school taking like um, "Corn Life Is Peachy" to show and tell, and this is like you know eight nine years old. Yeah, yeah, I took my dad to. He didn't know I had to Took my dad's sitting in to primary school. I remember the teacher sort of looking at me like, oh good job, Justin. I remember it pulled me up like after class, just like, does your dad know you have that CD? Like, yeah, you probably need to take that home and maybe don't bring it back to school sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it was sort of metal was just, uh, just stuck with me from from a very early age. I remember taking mum to go to buy the first Slipknot album when I was in primary school. And um, I remember the uh, the bloke at the counter, i walking up to him saying, hey, man, just uh, looking for the Slipknot CD. And he sort of looked at me and looked at my mum. So, who's the cd for and Mum's like it's for him and she's been the dude's like i can't sell it to you he's waiting to you listen to like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um i used to save up my cash i remember dad used to give me like you know just a little bit of money here and then and you take to the cd shop and i'd buy a cd or something i we remember buying like cowboys from hell or pantera or mm. something like that but um yeah it was the, it was the early sort of metal stuff that really stuck with me still, still with me to today corn Sepultura. Slipknot, slayer, that sort of stuff. And then from there sort of um, not not my chemical romance or some forty one. Nah, see yeah, see, like that sort of stuff for me was a little bit later. I sort of went was more in the metal and then sort of uh veered off and went sort of into your pop punk and your hardcore and all that sort of stuff. What
2: age were you when you picked up a guitar?
0: Uh so I got my first guitar, I was probably like thirteen or fourteen in high school. So um I used to just muck around a box all the time and I was always breaking bones and that sort of thing. I was always in and out of school just because I would do stupid shit myself. So I remember um, the last the last uh the last song was I snapped my leg real bad. I remember saying mum saying, like, that's it, like you need to find it. Basically a new hobby we like we're not fucking doing this all the time. And dad came over a couple of days and a couple of days later he'd say, uh, guitar and that was sort of what, what sort of started. I always wanted to play and dance before it, but I just didn't know any instruments. I remember like being in high school, like early in high school, and I sort of sit with like band kids and that. And they would start bands, and I was sort of like, "Yeah, sick! I'll uh, I'll do I'll learn something. I'll do percussion or just I just wanted to be part of it, but didn't actually have a didn't have an instrument. And it wasn't until I uh, picked up the guitar and it sort of all, all sort of went from there. I played drums for a little bit, so I just couldn't get in the hang of it too much. I think don't think my parents wanted the drum kit in the house in so. Yeah, dad uh, dad brought me my first guitar. I'm left handed too. So that was always sort of a bit of a uh, a bit of a curveball too. He he, so he basically taught me like the the, the um uh, simple stuff upside down. And then um yeah, after that, after that I sort of learnt myself, just taught myself how to how to play guitar. I haven't had any lessons ever or anything like that, but I think that sort of um that comes back to just like uh being so into my music and just really picking apart everything that you know that was on from some, such a young age it just felt very natural to me like you know trying to work out how to play songs and stuff like that but yeah all, all uh all, all sort of kicked off musically in in yeah kind 30 or 40 years old it's oh,
2: very cool yeah. yeah i don't think i real i i don't i've watched a bunch of videos but i don't think i ever realized that you were left-handed
0: yeah we are there's not many of us around hey it's always always hard for me. There, there
2: aren't Nah, there are not a lot of left handed guitar players out there, at least in the metal.
0: Very yeah. limited in terms of guitars, like in our know, boy stuff like that. So that's what I'm sort of my well, stick with ESP guitars, they seem to have the biggest range of stuff for me. But um, but that's what's yeah, every now and then I'll be I'll meet someone on the show, another lefty, like hey, here guys another lefty, but yeah, very, very rarely.
1: It's just interesting to me because like i'm left-handed but it never even crossed my mind to play left-handed guitars because i was like that seems ludicrously inconvenient i'll
0: just suffer <laughs> and... yeah 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 so i've had a few people say like why didn't you use your prominent hand to like you know the other way and i was like fuck i didn't think of that either that probably would have been <laughs> would have been good
1: to learn from the staff <laughs> that <is so> <laughs> whoops anyway as we head towards the end is there anything else com- you know there's a few shows coming up
0: right yeah is there anything
1: we need to be aware of what's going on
0: uh so at the moment just getting yeah getting paid throughout the release of the new album uh we've got a few more shows locked in for next month after that it's pretty much yeah go time until the album comes out and then we'll do the the strides or off the back of that
1: fuck yeah awesome that's awesome
2: where can people find you on the on the socials
1: yeah so yeah
0: spotify Instagram, Facebook, um, yeah, we are on basically anything. Jump on YouTube, we've got a heap of videos up on there as well. But um yeah, that all the all the uh, all the places you can find our music.
2: And it's just at Nicholas Cage Fighter, yeah. Exactly right, yeah. No H, just N-I-C.
0: No h, yeah, yeah, fuck, no h, yeah. <laughs> was that
1: intentional from the start, or did, was that just like a fuck up?
0: That, well, that's how his names actually spelled. So, like, if you see, if you ever see Nicholas Cage, there's no h in it, but uh, yeah, everyone just never bothers to look at it and puts a h in it.
1: <laughs> okay, no, I just, you know, anyway. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited about you. Thanks for having me, dude. For sure, man. And dear listeners, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Yes.
0: Awesome. Catch us later. Thank you.
2: All right. So that was awesome. Thank you everyone out there for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy.